Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Pardon us, Jesus. We know you are awfully busy and awfully tired. We know you just come back from preaching. Welcome back, by the way. Capernaum is so glad to have you here. Anyway, we know you must be exhausted, but we wondered if before you turned in, you could do us a little bit of a favor. Favor. What? I mean, it's not for us. We don't need the favor. It's more for a friend. Not so much a friend as, well, the sort of guy that you need to know, Jesus. And Okay, the favor is not so much for him as it is for his slave. That doesn't sound good, does it? You should probably know this, uh, this guy that you should know. He's a Roman. Soldier. Centurion, actually. He commands the garrison that Rome posted here when they took control here. But he's not that kind of Roman, if you understand what I mean. He's been good to us. He listens to us. Remember that synagogue that you preached in the last time that you were here, Jesus? Well, this guy who's not quite our friend, he built that for the whole town. And anyway, he's very kind, and life goes easier for us when he is very kind. And he's kind to his servants, and now one of those servants is lying down, eyes closed for days, his breath getting weaker and weaker every hour. And this guy who's not quite our friend, he heard about you. And it seems like you're the only hope he's got. Could you come? He's a very kind man. And it wouldn't hurt, Jesus, to have a centurion rooting for you. Certainly wouldn't hurt Capernaum if he owed us a favor, you understand. We know you're tired. You've done so much. We, honest Jesus, we're just so glad that you are here. And it's been our privilege to let you speak in our synagogue from time to time. And we'd love to keep allowing you to come to the synagogue for a long time. Do you understand? Do you think maybe you could do this favor for us? I mean, not for us, but for the centurion. Not for the centurion, really. It's for his servant. That's what's most important. We want the healing of the servant. That's what we're really here for. Favor is a funny thing. I suppose it's no surprise that lots of people tried to win the favor of Jesus. Even his enemies couldn't help themselves. Just a little while after Jesus returns to Capernaum, one of the Pharisees there in town is going to invite Jesus over to supper. Great big dinner party where all the neighbors can come and be impressed because Simon the Pharisee got Jesus to show up. And while he's there... That same Simon is going to be whispering behind Jesus' back. He can't be a true prophet. True prophet would never say that. True prophet would, be be would know better than to talk to them or to let her touch his feet. But that skepticism didn't stop the invitation. Because there was some intrigue, some status that came with Jesus' favor. A Pharisee here, 
a tax collector there, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, all these people keep asking Jesus to come by the house, to stay a while, to teach us, meet our friends, come do your thing, let us show you off. I mean, let us show you around. A centurion, though, is a whole different matter. To enter a Gentile's house is a different magnitude of favor because simply stepping across the threshold was to become ceremonially unclean in the Jewish community. The Jewish person walking into a Gentile home would already be planning the baths and the quarantine period and all the other tedious purification rituals that they would need just to be able to go back and eat and worship with the other people afterwards. But please, do it anyway, Jesus. Please just go along. One hand will wash another, and we will be all right in the end. Then come the centurion's own friends, carrying with them a great big exit sign, a a way out of this dilemma. They are ready to point the way for Jesus to, to get out of these sticky conflicts. They bring the centurion's own words to him as he says, Don't trouble yourself. There's no need to come inside. Just say the words from afar. Just say the words and all will be healed. These are the moments that make us love Jesus. Because we know Jesus isn't one to take the easy way out. When a sinful woman interrupts him at a nice dinner party and begins caressing Jesus' feet, the purified Pharisees recoil in disgust, but Jesus thanks her and says, Your sins are forgiven. When given the chance to heal on the Sabbath, Jesus is going to take it. Right there in front of God and everybody. When a leper asks Jesus to heal him, Jesus doesn't just say a few words. Jesus reaches out, touches the leper. He touches the unclean one and makes the man whole. Jesus is the love that crosses the line. The love that takes everything that others call unclean. He's the one that takes the unclean thing and transforms it into something good. This is why we love Jesus more than the law. This is why we know God loves us. Because he won't take the easy way out in loving us either. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the centurion comes and says, Please, Jesus, don't bother. I'm not worthy. And if you've been paying the slightest attention, you know exactly how Jesus will respond. Of course you're worthy. If two sparrows fall from the heavens, and my Father knows it, how much more important are you and your servant? I am coming to your house today. I won't even need a wet rag to clean off afterwards. For where I go, God makes things clean. God makes them whole. That's what should have happened. But if you're paying even the slightest attention to the reading today, you know that's not what happened. And that's why, when it comes to Jesus, we have to give more than our slightest attention. Because just as soon as you've got him figured out, 
Just as soon as you reduce Jesus to a predictable pattern, as soon as you make him into just kind of like a stand-in for what you really believe, as an ideal that you belong to, an ideal whether it is love or justice or perfection, Jesus will come along and he will act in a way that makes you question whether you even know what love or justice or perfection really mean. The centurion has set the stage for the great story of reconciliation. The spotlight is shining on the servant's deathbed. The smoke machine is blowing a holy mist to welcome Jew and Gentile. This is the moment to discover that all are welcome, that all can praise God, powerful and powerless, Jew and Gentile. Jesus looks from the offstage wings and says, good job, everybody. Go ahead, get up, nameless servant. And then he walks away. He never sees their faces. He never hears their names. He never turns to the Jewish crowd and tells them, see, God loves everybody. Have you learned your lesson now? Our faith is not God heals, though he does. Our faith is not God is love, although that is true too. Our faith is not God loves everybody, although that is more true than most of us would like to admit. Our faith is that Jesus is Lord. And it is enough that the centurion gets that. I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to my servant, do this. The servant does it. And when Jesus heard these words, he said, I tell you, even in Israel, I haven't found faith like this. You know, in my own life and in my own faith, I'd say that about three out of every ten challenges in my life consist of actual dilemmas, genuinely perplexing questions, moments when I don't know what to do. That's about three out of ten times that I'm challenged in my faith. But those three out of ten, they're the interesting ones, aren't they? They're the ones we love to talk about, see every side of, the ones that we labor over. I'm not sure what to do, so let's just linger here for a long time. But the other seven out of ten challenges in my faith are not real dilemmas at all. They don't require any particular discernment. Or revelation. They are simple questions of authority. Who's in charge here? Me or Jesus? If you're Jesus, whatever you understand of him is not in charge, then he is not your Lord. And if he doesn't have the authority to surprise you every once in a while, to write the script in a way you did not expect, then he is not living. But our hope and our salvation is in a living Lord, a Lord with authority and a Lord who still surprises us, a Lord who says, go, come, do this, and doesn't always say it with heavy theatrics. And sometimes the greatest surprise of all is this, that if we will just let him say the words, we may be healed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.